What's up, Internet? You're tuned into episode 20 of the Video Game Pals, the Pals Network's weekly video game podcast where four lifelong gamers get together to talk about video games, the news, and how it all makes us feel. I'm your host, Pete and Bessie, joined today by my ever-present co-host and antagonist, Mr. Andy Brown. Oh, hey, what up, fam? Here to tell Pete that water Pokemon are bad. Uh, why, do, why, do I, why do I invite you on the show? <laughs> the Garden Variety Doombringer, Mr. Robert Thompson. Hey, show nice bad. There you go. I'll bring it. What the <laughs> fuck? Oh my god. I'm back and my Andy. only friend in the world, Mr. Sean Bartley. Wow, wow, wow. That's uh, a big <laughs> step up from the Guildmaster. Yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you. Is it? I mean, in your guild, you have at least 20 friends. <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> now comes the part of the show where Sean talks shit about his guild. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, so we're uh, normally we do the show on Sundays, but we're here on a Monday night. How we all doing this week, boys? Sick. Well, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> I was just saying, I'm good. He means literally sick. Yeah. Not yeah. like sick, like off the chain sick. Fucking tired, man. That yeah, too. I'm tired too. I spent the weekend in DC visiting Andy, and we drank a lot of alcohol. I'm very tired. I'm like man, three day residual hungover. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I was today, too. Um, so, good times. Oh, this is good for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's, it's night, I'm awake. <laughs> you guys are yeah, fucking sleepy and I'm awake, so. <laughs> good, alright, so you're gonna have to carry the show on your shoulders. We I got, got it. this. Yeah, no problem. Alright, so let's kick the show off the way we always do by talking about what we're playing this week. I'll go first, because I've got a lot to report. So, uh, I finally finished Sonic Mania, oh, which shit. was great. Um, the game was definitely a blast, as I think I said the last few weeks. Um, while I've been kind of chipping away at it, I definitely think it's um, kind of definitively the best 2D Sonic game in my mind. I think it captures the high notes from Sonic 1, 2, and 3 and reimagines them and then adds a bunch of really, really fun new stuff. Um, I'm definitely planning on playing it again as Knuckles at least one more time uh, before I, you know, put it to bed, I think. But uh, I'm taking a little bit of a break from it because I had a bunch of other stuff to play this week. Um, so I got through, uh, the first episode of Life is Strange Before the Storm, finally, and, um, I was just completely blown away by it. Uh, it's, like, way better than it has any right to be. Um, I, 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 I don't mean that to sound as bad as it does, but, you know, it's like, Life is Strange is one of my favorite games of all time, uh, especially, like, in recent memory, and, um, you know, as I reported, you know, on the show a couple weeks ago, bless you, um... Before the Storm doesn't have Don't Nod, who are the, the creators of Life is Strange returning. Uh, it was um, Deck Nine games instead this time around. And then um, the original voice cast was also not able to reprise their roles because of, um, you know, the ongoing voice actor strike that's been happening for what feels like forever at this point. Yeah, right. Um, so, you know, that's a lot going against it. Also, it's a prequel that I wasn't really asking for, you know, and uh, it takes away the primary, like, game mechanic of the original which is time travel because chloe obviously doesn't have those powers um so i mean there was a lot of things that could have went wrong here and um i mean the game just succeeds at every opportunity you know aesthetically it it nails um what is so good about life is strange it's very clear that the this new development team uh really like took a lot of time and care in like kind of understanding what makes life is strange what it is and um find a way to you know, do that in a way that's fresh, obviously, because Chloe isn't Max. Um, and it has a very, very different feel because she's the main character while also still feeling true to that original vision, which is just like more than I could have asked for. You know, like, I don't want to say that I was going into this game negatively, but I was going into it 
um, with very cautious optimism, you know, knowing that there was so many things that could turn me off from this experience and the fact that I got into it and it was exactly what I wanted, um, is just, you know, is the best thing I could hope for. Cool. I'm glad to hear it. Um, I still haven't played Life is Strange, but I know how much you love it and how much you enjoy the genre. And it's really cool to hear that it's, uh, exceeding your expectations. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the next episode. Um, it's, it's one of those things where like I beat it and I've thought about it every day since I beat it, you know, and like how I'm just, I'm like really, really waiting for the announcement of when the next episode is going to come out. And, um, I'm like honestly disappointed that it's only going to be three episodes instead of the standard five, because if this was this good, I would definitely play five full episodes about, about Chloe and Rachel's story. Dude, maybe that's why they only made it three because they don't want to, you know, have to make it five if they don't have enough story for it. You know, it's tight probably. It is. I, I mean, like, so far it has been anyway. And um, I know that we have that, that fourth bonus episode because I got the deluxe edition where we get to play as Max again. So that's going to be fun. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, if you're a fan of Life is Strange, like, absolutely pick this up if you had any reservations. If you're not a fan of Life is Strange um, because, like, you haven't played it, then please take my recommendation and go, go give it a shot. Uh, and if you played it and you didn't like it, well, then, I mean, whatever. I guess everyone's entitled to their own opinion. <laughs> so yeah um as great as it has been that uh before the storm definitely met my expectations a game that kind of has been underwhelming me a little bit if i'm being honest is uh uncharted the lost legacy which is um you know the uncharted spinoff starring uh chloe who is the main character in uncharted 2 and then nadine who is one of the antagonists in uncharted 4 um i mean it's not bad like it's you know it's more uncharted and i like uncharted but I don't, I really don't like Nadine as a character, and I think she's really been dragging down the experience for me. Um, she's like, you know, for those who don't know, Nadine is like, you know, this, uh, she owns this, like, military mercenary army kind of thing in Uncharted 4, and she's, like, a gun for hire for the, you know, main antagonist. And, um, you know, in, in this game, she's, like, lost control of that army and is here, like, working with Chloe, and... I just, like, she has this really hard edge to her that has made, like, a lot of their interactions, like, just not feel as fun as most Uncharted games do, because it's usually two kind of sarcastic, quippy, fun, you know, pulpy characters that are bouncing off each other, like Nate and Sully, or, you know, like Nate and Elena, or, you know, um, even, like, Chloe and Cutter, who I feel like was such a natural choice for her partner in this game, because he's her partner in Uncharted 2. So I just don't really know why they went with Nadine as her partner, and it's, I don't know, like, I'm going to finish it, I'm having fun with it, but it's definitely not on the same level as the other experiences I've had with Uncharted, and that's, like, disappointing, you know? But, um, I don't know, who knows, maybe it has a turning point, I've still got about half the game to go, I think, in, like, chapter 5, I think there's 10, so I will update you guys next week. Wow, if you're at half the game and you're still not sure how you feel about it, and it's an Uncharted game... Yeah, it's like eh. I think Oof. you're you got your answer. Yeah, yeah. Unless it really, really starts, you know, blowing me away, I, I just I think it's probably gonna net out as like a okay experience that you know I would have been okay not having. Yeah, which sucks, but you know it's gonna happen. And honestly, like if it was one of these two games that was gonna disappoint me, I'm glad it was this one and not Life is Strange. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just to wrap it up for me, I've been real back on that Zelda grind. Um, I'm kind of like making an effort to work my way towards the end of the game now, just because, you know, Mario is like fast approaching 
Um, I've got two of the Divine Beasts done. I've filled out the entire map at this point. Um, I don't know how many shrines I have, but I want to say I'm like a third of the way through them. So, chipping away. Um, I've put a lot more time into it lately, so I, I, I think I put like two hours into it maybe while I was at Andy's place over the weekend, and then another six when I got home. Oh, damn. So... Yeah, I'm uh I'm I'm definitely ramping up on that uh Breath of the Wild life. So, um, you know, and I what can I say about that I haven't said before? It's a game of the year contender for me. So, um happy to still be having things to do in it, frankly. Um and still like finding things that are new this far into the game. Damn. You're finally catching up to me on that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're probably almost at the same point now. Oh, no, no, no. I'm way further. <laughs> oh, oh okay. no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I have the Master Sword, all the Divine Beasts, you know, all that shit. So I'm on my way to get the Master Sword now because I finally have enough hearts. Yeah? Yeah. And I had enough hearts like weeks ago, boy. Come on. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Catch up. Okay. <laughs> all, right, all right, fine, fine. You say you put two hours in, but you weren't putting the two hours good enough in, you know? Man, whatever. You didn't even play Horizon. Yeah. Yeah, that's my, that stuck on my list, though. So. Listen, Thompson, if you if you don't play the third best game this year, it's okay. Persona 5? No, I, Horizon. Oh, wow. You're saying, you're saying uh, yeah, of course. I'm saying Zelda and Persona are both better games. Right, yeah. False. Trudeau. I'm Andy, and I played the tutorial of Horizon, so I can say it's not as good as Persona. Wow. I put, like, seven hours in Persona. I guarantee Horizon's better. Wow. Holy shit, dude. It's fighting words for some people. <laughs> Come break your leg with a fucking lead pipe. <laughs> There's a reason they pay the Atlas tax, because you speak ill of the game, and they come down hard on you. The Atlas fans are gonna rake me over coals. Yeah, dude, you're screwed now. I'm right, coming so Tom, for you. Already <laughs> you you mentioned Zelda. Why don't you what 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 have you, what have you been playing this week? Excuse me, Zelda. Jesus. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Woo! What a shock. <laughs> uh, still been playing I Am Setsuna, but that I've just been going very slow through. Yeah, I'm surprised you're still at it. Eh, it's a, it's an RPG, you know. It's there. <laughs> I'm playing it. I'm not. I'm like underwhelmed by it, but it's there. Yeah, I Am Setsuna. Um, really been playing Rainbow Six Siege a shitload. I mean, that's just been like as much as I can. Uh, I'm really into that right now. It's really caught. It's like first-person shooters, you know. Like I'm, I, I love them, but this one's really caught my eye. So, a couple games of PUBG, once in a while, you know, just to get like the 700 crate, and it's pretty much it. It's, I've been working a lot, so that's about it. Cool. All right. What about you, Andy? Honestly, I've literally just been playing League this week, and that one game of Never Have I Ever we played with my friend. Oh yeah, that was that fun. counts as a game, right? <laughs> sure. Um. But, like, it's literally just been League for me video games-wise. Haven't had a lot of time between uh, Laura was living down here all week, and then you guys were here this weekend, and Season 4 of BoJack Horseman came out on Friday, so I watched that I whole know. thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> that was there, too. Yeah, and then yesterday I spent the whole day watching football, so it's just, like, not a lot of time to squeeze in games. But I played some League. I always play some League. It's where I blow off steam. Bodied some scrubs as Teemo. <laughs> Uh, so for me, let's see, I played WoW, you know, as as usual. <laughs> as one does. Um, hey, what are you guys working on now that you finished that boss? Right, so we finished a boss that was brutally hard, uh, that set us way ahead of where we were at, and then last week, uh, with me on my deathbed, we managed <laughs> to kill another boss. Nice! Um, Damn, dude. So that was that was pretty huge for us, actually. 
So is that um, a different boss that you had only been prepping for for like the last week or two? Or yeah, it's a boss we hadn't even seen up until that week, pretty much. So damn, yeah. Why was that um, one so much easier? Just because you had like the boost from the previous guy, or um, it just uh, so basically to to put it simply, the the boss that we just killed uh, to go seven of t- of nine, seven of nine. Uh, that boss is far easier in terms of mechanics. It's far easier in terms of damage and healing checks. But uh, there's one thing that happens that's very easy to screw up. And if any one player screws it up, everyone dies. Oh, okay. And you guys so, just didn't fuck it up? <laughs> I mean, we messed it up a hundred and something times, but we got it right once. And that's what counts. <laughs> uh, so that put us to... Uh, US 154. Damn, Shit, man. Fucking climbing up the charts, man. Damn. Yeah, yeah right. You're a fucking pro. <laughs> we we got know, like a like, fucking A, you know, A plus student here on our team, an all star, you know, an ace, whatever term you want to use. But dude, you're really ranking up fast. Yeah, that's like 50 ranks in the past, like, what, three episodes? Something like it's that. Probably it's probably more than huge. that. I feel, like said, it yeah. I feel like you said something around 300, and you were like, yeah. yeah. We were US 300 something, um, and now we're one. Yeah, yeah, now we're 154. That's, that's so. crazy. Yeah, that's nuts, man. Like, Congratulations, yeah, man. Really? Thanks. Good job. Um, it's a lot of fun. And we're doing really well for ourselves. So, uh, to put it in context for you, there are only 34 guilds that have killed the last boss. Nice. Holy crap, wow. man. So, yeah, like that's in the, in the entire world. Wow. So you're like one damn. of the first 50 guilds to do it. No, it's if we get it. It's not dead yet. Oh, oh, you mean the the okay. like the last boss. The one you haven't done yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. But you're like you're on that step? Cuz you said you have two more then, right? Cuz it's more 7 of 9. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, okay. so we're on the penultimate boss. The last boss only has 34 worldwide kills. Shit. Holy which is shit. insane. I believe in you though. Thanks. Yo, get in that top 50. That would be fucking amazing. <laughs> We're shooting for it. Um, and then in addition to that, the usual um, the usual Heroes of the Storm. Not much to say there. However, I did pick up and start playing Injustice 2 again. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah. I'm very heavily deep into Injustice 2 right now. Uh, I can't blame you. That game is fucking awesome. Yeah. Fighting games are my bread and butter. And this game is awesome. Uh, a couple of my friends are really into it. So we've been taking it seriously. I've been practicing. I'm a Batman and Superman main. If you nice. know anything about Injustice, you know that means that I play very lame. <laughs> um, but uh, I've been having a blast with that. So that's what I'm doing right now, gaming-wise. Cool. Any updates on the Dendo watch? <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, shit! I didn't know you were drinking water. I didn't mean to make you laugh. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, I, you know what? No, it'll come back around. Trust me. All right, all right. Can never stay too far away from Kotor. <laughs> all right. So if you guys want to let us know what you're playing this week, you can uh, write into the show and hear your thoughts right on the air. Give us a random question of the week, or just say hey by dropping us a line over at the Video Game Pals at Gmail dot com. You can also follow our sister show at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Stay up to date on all the stuff we've got going on here at the Pals Network. Uh, speaking of which, next week we've got uh, some new stuff coming out, so keep your eyes peeled. By next week, we'll, we'll be talking about it. But I'm 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 laying some I'm planting some seeds for you. <laughs> so if you're an audio listener, uh, we'd greatly appreciate it if you guys could drop us a like on your platform of choice, or if you really want to help us out, you can bounce over to iTunes where we are currently a five star rated podcast. Give us a sweet rating. 
And uh, if you're on YouTube, you can do us a solid and like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. We've got a ton of really cool stuff coming to YouTube in the weeks to come. So uh, get over there and subscribe. It really helps us out. And then last but not least, the best thing you guys can do if you want to help us out here is to just share the show with your pals so they can become our pals too. Um, just want to clarify that um, they can become our pals and that they can be friends with us. Probably not they can become regulars on the show, but maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, hey, I, I could always stand to replace Andy. He's I'm tired of him cyberbullying me. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's not my fault that water Pokemon are trash. Straight up, actually, I... I First of all, you're a garbage person and whatever. Um, <laughs> but while we were in D.C., Andy needed me to do something for him because his phone was dead. And I told him that if he wanted me to do it, he'd have to say something nice about water Pokemon. Did he? He said Blastoise was cool. <laughs> kind of cool, I guess. I qualified it. <laughs> whatever. I have witnesses. <laughs> I can pay him off. <laughs> He's a lawyer. <laughs> Oh, all right, so with that, it's going to take us over to uh, our rotating segment, which this week is going to be the random question of the week. That was pretty good. Thanks. All right, so this week, uh, I, I thought this would be kind of a probably a pretty easy one, but I want to ask you guys, what are what is your favorite multiplayer game? Hmm. Are we talking now or all time? Who? I'll leave that up to you to decide. Team Fortress 2. I, I've talked about that game ad nauseum, but... <laughs> Not that much on this show, though. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm into TF2 in a big way. It's probably my favorite game ever. Just now it's got a weird like player population thing going on where you're either terrible or incredible at it. <laughs> and it's just like, it's kind of hard to keep up with. Yeah, it's not a game that you can just go back to for a nostalgic walk down memory lane. No, because there are people that never stopped playing it. And it's like, it's still fun. And it's still a thing I would recommend you try because you can find servers with new people on them. But even though I don't play it anymore, it's still got like a really special place in my heart. And I still spent way too much money on keys to open boxes to maybe get fancy hats out of. <laughs> so for me it's uh probably unsurprising to everyone but i'm gonna get have to give it to league of legends you know i think the only other game that comes close uh in my mind is um competitive pokemon playing but like you know league in terms of like when i think of multiplayer experiences uh all the best times i've had playing multiplayer games excluding like duck game and maybe a few games of PUBG here and there um, have been with League of Legends, you know, it's a great game to jump on with, like, several of your friends who play games and, you know, play for 45 minutes or seven hours. And, and nowhere think... in between. Yes. <laughs> He's right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, between, like, the main game uh, and ARAM and all the crazy other modes that they've introduced over the years periodically... Um, you know, I've just gotten a ton of fun and a ton of time spent in that game. And the fact that I still play it, you know, six years after I got into it, um, is, you know, obviously a mark of its quality in my mind. So, you know, as, as much as there are other multiplayer games that I've gotten a lot of, gotten a lot out of and that, uh, are as near and dear to my heart, I don't think that there's any game that, like, personally scratches the multiplayer itch for me as well as League. Fair there uh for me it's pretty easy it's gonna be world of warcraft sure uh i mean i've been playing off and on for 12 years 
something like that. So that's a really long time. Really. How big. fucking crazy is it that that game has been around so long? Yeah. That like, if it was a child, it would be in middle school. <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable, man. Like, it's it's crazy how long I've been playing that game and how long it's uh, entertained me and how it never ceases to. Um, and, uh, like you said, a lot of my favorite gaming experiences ever come from there. And the only thing that really comes close would be some other kind, some kind of fighting game. But I think WoW just provides you, you know, you get the fighting game experience through PVP. If you want that, you get the PVE experience with your friends through raiding. It's just the best of everyone. I thought those people weren't your friends, John. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know. I just I just wasn't ready to commit to that at that time. You get the PvE <laughs> experience with a bunch of goddamn morons who can't goddamn stand in the goddamn fire. <laughs> who can't stand in it? I would prefer they don't. Can't refrain from standing in the goddamn fire. There you go. Mine's mine's easy to pick from like just for me, StarCraft is it's always been there. It came out in nineteen ninety eight and I've played it since it came out and you know, I'm a sucker for it. I even bought the remastered version that just came out uh like a month ago maybe at this point uh it's it's crazy dude they're the maps that i played um you know the the custom maps uh from like you know 1999 or 2000 they're they're still being played you know i picked up you know all the all the matches that i had played from you know decades ago two decades ago almost and uh it's like it's still there like it's all the crazy you know the custom maps, like I used to uh, paste all these World War Two maps, you know, and like I learned history through like the maps and that. Like that's why I like got so interested in history. Like it like fundamentally changed my life, and like it was always just this thing that I played all the time, you know. So, like you said, with playing League, you know, and you can go on for like you know forty five minutes or seven hours. Like Starcraft was always that game that I either I either just played like for a couple minutes, you know, did a quick little thing. Or I just didn't get off for like a whole day, you know, I was just like, God, I, <laughs> right, yeah. I am in this, you know, and yeah, I mean, I like every other genre of games just as much more, sometimes more than RTSs, but something about Starcraft is magical for me. So I got to play that. Solid choices all around, boys. All right. So remember, if you want to write in with your own random, random question of the week, Jesus, I cannot do this show at 8 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> you can write in to us at the video game pals at gmail.com or, you know, hit us up in a comment or something like that, um, wherever you're watching the video. And uh, we'd love to hear from it, hear from you. Then I don't have to pick any. All right. So I guess that means it's time for the news, the news. We talking about the news, the news, the news. We talking about the news. All right, so we've got seven items on the news list this week. Uh, the first of which is a follow-up on a previous story that we talked about, which was uh, all about the SNES Classic pre-order debacle. Um, Nintendo of America's president, Reggie Fields Ame, um, has, you know, made a statement about it, uh, where he says that he, quote, strongly urges you not to buy a scalped SNES Classic. So, responding to the backlash around how Nintendo handled the pre-orders, um, which we threw a little bit at them ourselves... Uh, of their new mini console, Reggie told GameSpot that issues with the SNES Classic pre-orders were, quote, outside our control at retailers, adding that for the SNES Classic, supply is not the issue. Hmm. Saying, quote, I would strongly urge you not to overbid on an SNES Classic on any of the auction sites. You shouldn't have to pay more than $80. 
Um, so then, and then responding to questions about the NES classic shortages, he said that the whole reason that that happened was because uh, Nintendo didn't produce enough stock, actually. Um, they weren't intentionally holding back on stock to create, um, you know, a fervor like we did see them do with Amiibo or, you know, even the Wii. Um, because he said that they actually looked at competing consoles like this, competing retro, um, you know, mini consoles, and saw that the sales were generally not very high. So they didn't know um, if they were, you know, they didn't want to uh, overproduce and assume that they were going to have a success on their hands. So he seems to be implying that we're not going to see that same problem again with the SNES Classic, as he has said in the past. Um, this seems like him doubling down on that. So I don't know if that means that this pre-order wave was all we got, and maybe they're going to do another printing. Maybe they have a bunch that they're ready to put on sh uh, store shelves so that you can get them on uh, September 29th. But I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. It's a little bit of a vague language for me. I'm not, like, sold on it, you know? Reggie's a good guy, you know? Nothing against him, whatever. But maybe he's told, yeah, you got to say this. Right, I mean, it's know. his job to, to you know, make the company not look bad. Yeah, so, yeah. And, yeah, you yeah. got to take his words with a grain of salt for sure. Right, so wh whatever it may be, you know? Um, it, it, yeah, the statement doesn't seem to be, like, fully committed to, like, saying, you know, you're going to get one. Versus, you know, like, no, I'm sorry, we don't have enough. So I don't really know. If you if you don't come out, like, really picking a side on it, then it just makes me wonder, you know? So. I, I do think it's interesting that he says, I would strongly urge you not to overbid on an SNES, yeah. SNES Classic. You shouldn't have to pay more than $80. No, I know. But I think because that, you know, because obviously if, if you, like, as a you know, person that wants to get one and you can't get one and you see one on eBay and you're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I guess I got to spend 200 bucks for one, right? You know, and maybe you do. Um, maybe there'll be another wave that comes out and that's what they're trying to say you know like oh shit here's another wave of them for real at the 80 dollar price and you didn't have to spend that much maybe he's implying just be patient or uh you know it could be anything really but again i guess we gotta wait to see so yeah it's not not too far away now yeah it's real. yeah it's only a couple weeks now yeah i don't i don't know that there's a lot here i think you guys pretty well nailed it this is just reggie talking and he's saying what he has to say, and that's it, really. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to be interesting to see, man, because they've been doubling down saying this stuff about how there's going to be some in, in stores on the day of. So I really wonder how hard they're going to be to come by. And, like, especially that'll depend on if stores are going to limit uh, people to only buying one to try and avoid scalping. Right, Because yeah. otherwise they'll definitely be sold out, even if there is a healthy supply of them. Oh, yeah, know? yeah. One person's going to show them by, like, ten if they can, you know? Buy all of them and throw them on eBay. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's a very that's big problem. Amiibo. Yeah, well, so. it's a big issue, and, and I can understand that. And then maybe that's what he's also trying to say. Like, you know, don't encourage the scalpers for future or later, but, stuff, but that's sure. not going to happen. You know, people are going to want it. So. Right, right, yeah. And they're going to want it this holiday while right. it's the hot yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then you're going to scalp yours and sell it to buy a second PSVR headset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, man, yeah. I was so happy to get mine. There's no way. For that multiplayer <laughs> danger ball action. <laughs> hey, that would be fun, but, you know, I don't know if it's worth it <laughs> for the money. <laughs> Uh, so speaking of Nintendo shortages, if you were waiting until Christmas to pick up a Nintendo Switch, uh, Reggie says you might be disappointed. So, speaking at Variety's Entertainment and Technology Summit in L.A. last Thursday, Reggie had this to say about the Switch this holiday. Quote, certainly the demand is there, and our supply chain is there. Uh, and that was in relation to a question about how they had hit the 10 million goal um, that they had this year. Uh, but he didn't want to commit to fulfilling the demand for the upcoming holiday season, saying, quote, are we going to have enough for the holiday? That's what we are focused on. 
Um, so there's there's a few other things you can go and check out, you know, um, the article I've linked to down below if you want to hear more of what Reggie had to say. But that's the bit I really want to chew on here. Um, because, you know, there's obviously not much information there, right? Because he's saying we don't know if we're going to be able to hit those numbers. Uh, but I, I guess I kind of wanted to throw this out there as a bit of a PSA of, like, if you were waiting to get a Switch um, and you do see one, it might be in your best interest to just get it if you're worried about not being able to get it until, you know, well into 2018. Um, you know, if you're like one of the kind of people who, like me, generally waits to try and buy a console, you know, on like a, a, a Black Friday bundle, if I don't get it at launch, um, it, that might not be in your best interest. It, yeah, again, this is kind of weird, you know, like, uh, they were, I mean, it's, it's, at least I remember it this way, it sounded like the last time they talked about that 10 million goal, they were pretty much like, yeah, you know, dude, we're gonna make, just felt like very confident, and then, and then now they're saying like, oh, we're gonna have for the holiday? I don't know, you know, it, mm. it's weird, you know, it's, they come out with these statements very uh you know like they draw lines saying like this is what we're doing right and then they do it but then like on the same hand they're, they're just like oh, i don't know there's enough right now so <laughs> i don't really know what to go by like is there gonna be enough switches is there not gonna be enough is there gonna be enough snes classics is there, you know they're really just confusing <laughs> me now <laughs> yeah i don't know man i think yeah. in this case it's it's tough to know right because like they've clearly had this problem the entire time the switch has been out oh, yeah, and definitely. like you know, we've talked in the past about how the sales for the Switch would probably be better if they were more available. Right, yeah. So, I mean, with the fact that, like, there's so many people who probably did wait to get it this holiday when there were more games, where there was a good bundle, when Mario's out, I could really see this being a fucking problem. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I still think that it's a good idea if you see a Switch, get one. You know, I mean, that's kind of, like, the way I feel about it. That's why I got mine, and I definitely don't have any money to spend. So, that was just one of those things, like, if I'm not getting it now, I'm never going to get it, I felt. So... Um, good advice, but it's just strange how they seem to, you know, keep changing. <laughs> we know that they want to sell switches, so like, why would they even question if they're gonna have enough for the holiday? If they were really prepared for it the whole time, and like, you know, we wouldn't have any questions about it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's clearly showing that like they're not, you know, they're, like they still they still can't get that um that supply of screens that they need yeah. for this thing. It's September, and we've been talking about this for a while, almost kind of like, well, you know, they got time, they got time. Well, it's like, all right, well, they don't have a lot of time now. So you keep hearing questions, uh, statements like this, and it gets a little bit scary, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nintendo is smart to be hedging here, because, like, if Reggie says now, like, we're definitely trying and we think we can do it, but, you know, I don't want to commit to saying that, comes off better than absolutely you'll be able to get a switch if not everyone's able to get a switch come christmas time i agree it's good and i don't have a problem with the uh with the hedging here yeah and i think it's also it's worth noting the different ways that these two statements came out one of them was made in a statement to GameSpot, and this one was like more of like he's at a thing where he's being interviewed about nintendo overall and this was just kind of one of the things that came up so while i'm sure he obviously knew what he was going to say um, I don't, this doesn't come off to me as like a PR statement. It seems like more of just an earnest statement of like where they're at that like, obviously, yes, we want to be prepared for the holiday rush, but like, we don't know that we're going to be able to secure those units because it's been a consistent problem. We've been reporting on this all fucking year. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's been six months since the switch came out and they still are having this issue. It's a shame, yeah. Uh, so while we're on the subject of disappointment, Rockstar is releasing four new versions of L.A. Noir. <laughs> Why is that disappointment? That game was great, and I'll fight all of you. Oh, my God, dude. Come to Holy your house shit. with my lead pipe. 
first of all, before we get into any of this, who the fuck asked for this? I like, did. <laughs> did anyone fucking brown? Did anyone I did. say I want a three sixty title that under like was an underwhelming title to at best and then, you know, put that on my brand new snazzy switch? Like It who? was an excellent title <laughs> at excellentist. <laughs> Alright, go on with it. Let's let's hear this shit. <laughs> anyway, so these four versions of Eleanor are coming out on November fourteenth. Uh, so we have Eleanor, the VR, the VR case files, which is coming out for HTC Vive, uh, which has seven of the original. I'm just gonna read the uh, the thing from Rockstar's website here. Uh, quote delivers seven of the original engrossing self-contained cases from Eleanor, rebuilt specifically for virtual reality, blending breathtaking action. I don't remember that <laughs> with true detective work to deliver an unprecedented interactive experience. I'm sure that's cool, you know? That actually sounds kind of cool. I could see the actual case, like, detective stuff being cool in VR. Right. There is actual breathtaking action in L.A. Noir. <laughs> I don't know it if you're being serious exists. or trolling. No, I'm honest to God not. I really <laughs> love L.A. Noir. Later in the game, there's some, like, real cool, like, shootouts in the sewers. Like, classic, you know, L.A. Noir movie shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure, but then they shouldn't put that really good stuff after, like, 50 hours of crap I had to go through, you know? Just cut out all the driving. Anyway. Oh, God, the driving. <laughs> oh, Lord. So then we've also got Eleanor for PS4 and Xbox One, which, quote, delivers the complete original game and all additional downloadable content with a range of technical enhancements for greater <laughs> visual fidelity and authenticity, including enhanced lighting and clouds, new cinematic camera angles, high-resolution textures, and more. Plays, nati plays natively in 1080p for the PS4 and Xbox One consoles and in stunning 4K for PS4 Pro and Xbox One X. These versions capture the grit and grime of the City of Angels like never before. I mean, cool. It's an upscale, you know, snazzy new version. God, I wish I could get paid to write these these things. Um, so, <laughs> like, and then we finally... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. If I may, real quick. I know we just had this whole yeah, argument, yeah. but I'm honest to God really excited about it. Um... Hmm. I think that especially on the Switch, it's going to be really cool with the Joy-Cons and the, uh, like, the whoa, whoa, whoa. HD rumble mechanics. <laughs> I couldn't think... You didn't, even let me, you didn't even let me read the copy yet, Andy. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were moving on. Oh, no, no. I was moving on to the Switch version. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, it's, again, com complete original game, all additional downloadable content. And then, like Andy said, we've got Joy-Con mode with gyroscopic gesture-based controls, HD rumble, uh, and a new wide over-the-shoulder camera angles, uh, plus contextual touchscreen controls for portable device detective work. That's a lot of buzzwords. What? <laughs> what did you just say? Um, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Um Oh, yeah, so yeah, Andy, why don't you yeah, okay. finish, finish your so, thoughts there? You know, in like the original one, Thompson, when you'd like pick up a thing and hold it in your hand, it would zoom in on the evidence and you'd like turn yeah. it over to look for yeah. stuff. Yeah, you can that. do that if you do like the unhooked Joy Cons, aka the greatest way to play a video game. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's good. I'll admit. You can like, you know, turn that over in your hand and like physically manipulate the object to get so... like. You're telling me I That's can be cool. Tom Cruise from Minority Report and I can take objects and like <laughs> and like pull them out and just like that's 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 neat, man. Sorry, I never beat the game, so I can't say it's shitty. But I got like 50 hours in, and I was you're, like, "Dear Lord, you are talking a lot of unearned shit." Yeah, no, it's all right. You know, someone's gotta. That game um, 
that game is an excellent game buried in crap that makes it still pretty good and i think it's excellent because of the excellent stuff that's there and it like speaks to me more than most people I get that, but I really like the characters. It's got some excellent performances in the uh, the mocap and the acting. The face capture they did is really cool for it. Honestly, if they go back in time and they change the decision to make the option in the dialogue they originally called press to doubt, if they change it back so you press a witness instead of like doubting them, everything will make a lot more sense and feel a lot better in that game. Because hmm. some... Like, in the, the first interrogation they have you do, there's one option where it, like, basically tells you to hit doubt. And it's like, I'll have you know lying to the police is a felony. I will have you thrown in jail and fired if I get the sense that you're not being completely honest with me. Right, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that makes sense if you're trying to press the witness, but not, you know, if you're just like, I really don't believe what you're saying, please tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know, man. I think the reason I'm so down on the game is because I like so much about it, and the things that don't work really, like, strangle the experience, yeah, I think, yeah. for me. Yeah, I agree, dude. Like, Andy, I honestly really liked a lot of the things in it, but something about this game is, like, the I never played Bully, but I've played every other Rockstar game, and this is the only one I never finished, and I just, I don't know, like, a lot of little things really just, just took me out of the experience too much, you know? Uh but hey, maybe this is better. Maybe I'll, I'm not going to buy it, but if I get my hands on it, maybe I'll like it. There's one little uh, one little remaining tidbit I wanted to touch on here and just ask you guys a question. Um, so as we've discussed in the past, um, b- boxed versions of Nintendo Switch games cost more than their PS4, Xbox One counterparts because of Nintendo's decision to use carts uh, for the Switch instead of Blu-ray discs, which uh, reportedly cost 60% more uh, to wow. print games on. Wow. Um, so if your game is uh, big enough to require a 32 gigabyte uh, disc, like a game like Eleanor is, because it's got so much, so many cutscenes and dialogue and everything, um, it that's you know in this case, right? Like we talked about this, I think previously about NBA 2K on Switch and how they were going to have a big downloadable patch, um, so that you needed to have a um, internal memory to download it and not make you pay that extra money. Whereas Rockstar is uh, instead of doing that passing on that loss to you as as a consumer so do you think that this is going to hurt sales of this game on switch because not only does it cost ten dollars more it doesn't have the updated visuals uh that the ps4 and xbox one are going to have like it will have these additional motion features and everything but is that enough to justify uh, 10 additional dollars or honestly dude i don't think it's really going to matter i I remember the Nintendo 64 when people wanted to play, uh, you know, Perfect Dark. You needed to drop an expansion pack thing in that, or you couldn't play it. Yep. And people, well, yeah, and N64 games are more expensive in general, right. For that reason as well, right? And and you know, people were fine with that. I mean, they were good, you know. And if there's people like Andy that out there that like this game, like it's not gonna, it's not gonna stop you if you, you know, uh, so it's ten bucks. Maybe you want the physical copy. You think it's worth ten bucks, and just because you need to, you know, have like some tiny little. Uh, tiny little paywall like that i don't think if you're a fan of it it's really gonna hurt it you know i just wonder if it might incentivize people to play it on ps4 xbox one instead of their switch like they'd like to have it on switch but they're like well it's 10 bucks more and it doesn't have better graphics so maybe i should just play it on my xbox i mean there's always someone like that but like dude if you're gonna buy it for the switch it's because you want it on the switch you know what i mean like that's the appeal of the switch so 
you, you know, as a consumer, like you're probably just going to be like, fuck it. I want to go on, you know, somewhere and play this game if you like it. You know, it'd be nice to have the PlayStation 4 to have those graphics on the Switch and all that shit. But I'm not going to be able to take my PlayStation 4 on like a plane or whatever, you know, it'd be just nice to have it that way. So I don't that's why I don't think it's going to affect the Switch sales, because it's just the platform you're buying it on, like kind of sells it for you, you know. Honestly, I don't think that the upgraded graphics are like that much of a selling point um because la noir is a game that's fondly and intensely remembered by like a community fan base of people basically like the people who like la noir really like la noir and everyone else is kind of lukewarm on it and i think saying hey we're updating the gameplay is the draw and not hey we're upgrading the graphics because the game looked fine it still looks pretty okay i have it on my pc i boot it up from time to time i think the the switch is incredible for the episodic structure of the game yeah i think that's a great point i think that honestly the the ps4 and xbox one xbox one versions are happening because it would kind of just be dumb not to if they're already doing the work to make the vr version run in hd sure and there's an install base there you know i mean like the game is almost definitely going to sell the best on ps4 true unless it's a big game you know unless it's really big on switch the thing i'm interested in that i didn't see in the press release when i read it is i own the game on steam am i gonna get the the graphic updates and everything am i gonna have an option to do this like that's i know rockstar hates the pc yeah that's that's my like they the fact that red dead redemption is still not on pc makes me think no wow you know yeah also i really love the new poster they made for it also i just can we just why is eleanor on steam but red dead isn't what the fuck Um, that's crazy the the scuttlebutt is that the la or not the Eleanor, that the Red Dead code never came to PC because it's a mess. Oh. Like, <laughs> and it does a lot of stuff specific to the two consoles to, like, cut corners because they bit off more than they could chew, and they had mm. to take shortcuts. Mm. Huh, okay. And also, huh. Rockstar hates PC. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Option okay. A, there's actual bugs. Option B, uh, fuck you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Option C, options A and B. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I meant. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so moving right along. uh, In news voted most likely to make Sean groan, (laughs) IGN is reporting that Crystal Dynamics' upcoming Avengers game will at least in part be a online third-person action-adventure game. Ugh. Yep. (laughs) The hell is that? Yeah, so uh, here, so so let me give you the context here. So thanks to a post made by a NeoGAF user who goes by the name NeroLack, we have job postings for the um, the untitled, uh, quote, it's, it's called the Avengers Project right now. Hmm. But yeah, they got a couple job postings for it that give us some clues about the game's content. Specifically that the game will feature, uh, quote, social, quote, shared online play. And will at least, uh, in combat sections anyway, uh, quote, resemble a, quote, third-person cover-based action-adventure game. 
So uh, Matt Davidson over at IGN writes, um, one posting asks for application uh, for applicants for a lead level designer position focusing on level development. And this, uh, the posting specifically refers to, quote, fun and unique online experiences and also asks for an understanding of, quote, the social implications of shared gameplay, as well as referencing, quote, various game, uh, game modes and campaigns. So then there's another posting that was looking for an experienced combat designer who will work with the rest of the team to, quote, plan, prototype, and build combat systems that directly apply to a third-person cover-based action adventure game. Um, and then this is from Matt. He gives a little bit of context, and he says, looking at these two posts together, we can start to get an idea of the sort of game that's in development. It certainly seems as though the game will be online, perhaps hinting at an MMO, particularly considering the emphasis in the job description of shared gameplay and a variety of modes and campaigns. Could we be seeing a variation of Destiny's Fireteam-style setup, but with superheroes rather than Guardians? Uh, and then he goes on to say, It's possible, of course, that these job postings are for different aspects of the game. Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider proved able to forge a successful story mode alongside a standalone multiplayer experience. And perhaps that's the direction the studio is leaning. With no further details, it's all speculation for now. The requirement for the combat desire to, quote, plan and build combat system seems to imply that the game is still a way off from completion. I I really don't get what this is. Um, if it's going to be some kind of MMO thing, that seems really weird and kind of an odd use of the property. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if they're letting you, you know, like, I, I, we just don't have enough information in general. We don't sure. know enough to really speculate. It doesn't sound like I don't like the idea of, of, um, of first person for this. That's weird. Um, third third person. Third person. Oh, whoops. So that's, uh, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's what you'd that's, want then, right? Yeah, yeah, you'd want that. Yeah. Okay. Because, um, yeah, I mean, they say, like, a third person cover action game, so, like, that makes me think of, like, Gears of War or, like, Mass Effect. That's, or... Yeah, that's weird. That's weird. Can I, I, uh, can I just say something about that yeah. real quick? I, I don't know about you guys, but the idea, like, you have to, like, snap to cover and shit in games, like, infuriates me beyond belief because, like, it used to be you just played games and they had cover and you took it and, like, Gears of War and stuff when you snap into it. It's different with Mass Effect that it's an RPG, but, like, a first-person shooter or, like, a third-person shooter like that. It's kind of strange that they like set the levels so you have to use the cover and all that, and it just takes away from the player like in the experience. You know, it's like they're designing right. go on this path, take this block, go beyond this wall. You know, it's like it, yeah, it pulls away. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's just like I don't know. I really don't like that. And we also don't know what characters are going to be focused on what kind of gameplay. Right. So, like, yeah. It wouldn't make any sense at all for that to be Hulk gameplay. No, God no. But right, right. It could be Captain America gameplay. You know, yeah. or like Black Widow or Black Widow yeah. gameplay. So it's I don't know. It just remains to be seen. And there's no real reason to judge until we get something concrete. They've yeah. got to tell us what this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is looking for people to make it. So, right. I don't think We're they know. So early. Yeah. We're right, so right. early in the, in the creation of this thing that it's just <clears throat> impossible to really analyze it on any level. I have to say, I really think that Matt's observation about the way that Tomb Raider handled multiplayer is uh, probably a particularly salient point. I I have a hard time thinking that, uh, to Sean's point, that they're going to take a um, IP with as much name recognition as Avengers and make um, you know a third person action MMO. 
Like, I, I think that's a hot thing right now, and I, I definitely see how you could make that an Avengers game, right? Like, everybody makes their own superhero, and you all join the Avengers, and you go on strike missions or whatever. That could potentially work, but that seems like it's going to kind of cannibalize a game that they that Marvel also has that's successful, which is Marvel Heroes. You know, like, right. there already mm-hmm. is a, a Marvel superhero MMO. Like, I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. Um... What I could see, though, is maybe they do go the route of, um, you know, uh, Tomb Raider and have there be a single player story where you play as, you know, the the probably the five Avengers from the movie you would guess. Right. Um, and then there's a multiplayer mode that's more similar to that or similar to uh, like what Mass Effect did with Mass Effect 3, where it's like, yo, you can play like a shield agent and you're going to like go and do multiplayer missions that are like set during the stuff that's happening. Right, like maybe the main game uh, loosely follows like the story of the Avengers movie, right? And there's like an alien invasion, and there's scrolls attacking New York, and then in the multiplayer, you just play some shield asshole who's taking out scrolls. You know, um, I I could see that making probably more sense in my mind than it actually being like a Destiny style game, hmm. um, because I think why wouldn't they want to make an experience based around you actually playing as the superheroes that like we know, you know? Yeah, I think that that's a you. They've got to give us that gameplay. If it's gonna be multiplayer, in my mind, it needs to be Avengers versus Avengers SmackDown. I think. <laughs> I I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't know, or or some kind of team up, Avengers teaming up, like you said. Um, but it, I think it's got to be that. Uh, I don't know. This could either be the Avengers game that we've all been waiting for. Or it could be a really weird experiment. Doesn't mean it won't be good. Just yeah. different. And like Crystal's a great team. Like I'm yeah. I'm not this doesn't like obviously that's not what I want, but like to be fair, how many games are there like that where it's like, oh, like this isn't necessarily something I want, and then it changes your mind, right? Like right. I don't like Destiny, I didn't get into the division, but like maybe a game that's a third person superhero game would get me into that kind of game in the same way that I didn't give a fuck about king of the kill but i like pub you know so like who knows you know like it's totally possible that that's what we're gonna get and it might actually be good in the same vein i didn't want multiplayer in my mass effect but mass effect 3's multiplayer was really good and it also didn't affect the single player at all so i think as long as they can give us that it doesn't really matter it did a little bit only if you wanted it you got those war funds or whatever yeah it's like yeah it meant you had to do less side quests to get the extra choice at the end which is like, yeah, and I think that's an effective way to do it, right? Yeah, like, it's like incentivize you to play it, don't make you play it. It's like you have to play basically the same amount of Mass Effect either way. It's just, do you want to do Shepard stuff or just be a psionic Volus? <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like even Doom had a pretty similar trajectory like last year, right? Where it was like there was the, the team that worked on the single player and then there was a multiplayer team. And the multiplayer was a way different experience and it didn't affect the single player at all. Yeah, and I remember when they uh, they first released the multiplayer, people were like, oh, this looks like shit. And then it came out, and uh, like everyone changed their tune, and they were like, that's fucking fun, you know? So you yep. never know until like you get re- your hands on it, really, too. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't, I don't think this is any cause for alarm yet, but, you know. Um, so speaking of PUBG, uh, <laughs> the game is ungoddamn stoppable. 
Because in what feels like a, a weekly segment at this point, PUBG has broken yet another record, passing 1 million concurrent players and toppling Valve's Dota 2 for the number one spot on Steam. Wow. Damn. Right? Yeah. So the record uh, for all-time concurrent players is still held by Dota 2, uh, which had 1,291,328 active players in March of 2016. Um, but it's worth pointing out that PUBG is still in early access. You know, and like has sold 10 million copies already, no sl- signs of slowing down, and uh, has an upcoming release on Xbox One that will uh, like obviously stoke more interest in the game again. Yeah, this is just the PC market too, right now. You know, the 10 and million copies. It's just the tip. The yeah, game hasn't yeah. even come out yet. Like, you know, <laughs> just no, the it's tip. not even 1.0. <laughs> That's my. I mean, I'm still waiting for the fucking zombie mode, you know, like. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. It's like there's still we still have the zombie mode coming. We still have weather updates coming. Well, we got the, we the new foggy new map came out. The foggy version of it just came out the other day. I played so. Yeah, and then I know like we have you know obviously we have a couple other maps that are on the way. You know like this game is still growing. Oh, it's got a lot you know, to it's, grow. It's, yeah, it's in its absolute infancy. Yeah, and unless they fumble the ball, it doesn't seem like it's fucking going away. Yeah, I mean people. Obviously had a little bit of problems with the recent bannings and shit, but like whatever, dude. The game's growing, you know. It'll fix itself out, you know. There's always going to be growing pains, and you know, the the, yeah. the rules of conduct within the game alone, and the the integration that it has into Twitch, you know, at its at its like inception, it's always like been integrated very well with that. And obviously, there's going to be you know a little bit of concern because different platforms have different rules and all these other things. So they're working it out, you know. Like like you said, still very young in this. It's got 10 million copies for only being, I don't even remember when it went on sale. Only a few months. It's Yeah, it's been like four months maybe, or maybe pushing five now, I don't know. But point is, it's a very, very small amount of time for 10 million copies, and it's really just going to keep getting bigger. So, should try it. <laughs> it's a good game. You got Andy to buy it yeah. on that one cast. <laughs> yeah, Thompson got me to buy it mid-podcast one time. It was fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I don't really play it that much anymore because I don't have time. Yeah, it's all right. I don't play too much either, but, you know, just one crate a week. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely slowed down on it, but it's a game every time I play it. It it reminds me of Overwatch, where every time I pick it up, I'm just like, why don't I play this, like, every day? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the fun things is, hey, you know, if you if you get that one crate a week, uh, you know, there's there's, like, two different crates they have now, and um, the, the high-level you know, item you can get the rarest one of them. Like the one is this, this purple skirt or something. And it's like 350 to $500 on the steam store. So if you happen to get lucky and get one crate of the week, guess what? You just got like 10 free games, you know? So like an added bonus to playing this game is like, you might, you know, gambling kind of, but yeah, you might for just for playing it, you might get a really awesome item that you can sell on the steam store for like a couple hundred bucks. So so, I mean, it's not even gambling because you have to pay money to get. No, that no, no. I mean, but if, if you bought the loot boxes by themselves, it'd be like gambling. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You could yeah, just straight right. up have the the item and just fucking sell it. So, <laughs> right. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's just kind of like congratulations and what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Pub is yeah. still like it, it's in, it's insane. It's goddamn insane. And like, the, I feel like the fact that it's a team of like twenty people making this game is like insane. You know, they don't even live in the same country. Like player unknowns from Ireland and like almost everyone else that works on the game is like South Korean. Wow. They like just they're opening a, they're finally opening an office yeah. in I think Canada. That's it's either in Canada name. or in the States. Yeah, dude, it's like this game came out of fucking nowhere and it's just like, oh my god, we have so much money and like the fact that they haven't really fucked it up yet and done anything to like ruin their momentum or even slow it down is like kind of incredible, honestly. 
Yeah, I mean, like yeah. I think like we're gonna look back on this period of PUBG, like these first few months, we were like, oh, I can't believe, like in a couple years, and be like, wow, yeah, like PUB was like really the next Minecraft, like we said it would be. You know, I, I, I would be shocked if it isn't if it doesn't become a staple of games. You know, because it's like I, I can't imagine that there are gonna be ten million people that got this hype on it, are playing it this much, and then it's all just gonna go away. Right. It's yeah, dude. It's weird because you know the there was H one Z one and and the other King of the Hill games that were out, and I, I probably played all of them. Um, uh, they just never had like the special sauce that this game had, you know. Um, I really don't know what it is that's so much better about this over the other ones. I I, I don't know. It's just something about this one felt better the moment I played it. You know, it's legitimately ineffable. You know, what feels better about it. What? China number one. <laughs> I actually haven't heard of China number one in like a couple weeks. I'm getting a little bit worried. You know, the uh, community's changing. Back. The community's changing in a way I don't like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the newfound PUBG culture. Yeah, now kids get on and they just go and like scream on the plane, and so like the whole time you're just sitting there with people like cacophonies of, of whales, like the fucking sirens around you. It's unbelievable. But yeah, China number one was the good old days. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, um, this doesn't really have anything to do with PUBG, but it's kind of the foot into this next story, so, segues. Uh, Mm -hmm. so since we're recording the show on Monday night instead of our usual Sunday time, we caught the latest controversy around YouTuber Felix Kegelberg. Kegelberg. Um, Kegelberg. AKA PewDiePie. So, uh, during the live stream of PUBG on his Twitch channel, which I believe was last night at the time of this recording... Uh, Felix used the N-word, hard R, and everything to refer to another player before uh, appearing to realize what he had said, correcting himself to the word asshole and saying, I don't mean it in a bad way. So, uh, if you want to check out this footage for yourself, I'm linking to Philip DeFranco's video on the subject today, because if anyone's going to get views for watching this, I want it to be him, and it's my show. So, there you go. Uh, Otherwise, you can find it on Google. And uh, while this controversy alone is, like, obviously enough to make for big headlines, because despite the fact that uh, Pewds is definitely not the uh, biggest content creator on YouTube anymore by a long shot, he's still kind of seen as the face of YouTube in a lot of ways. Um, But it became an issue that could potentially affect the future of Let's Plays legally when Sean Vanneman, uh, the co-founder of Campo Santo Studio, or Campo Santo Games, who is the uh, team behind Firewatch, vowed to file a DMCA takedown of PewDiePie's Firewatch series. So, this comes from uh, ONS Good over at Polygon, who wrote the article that I'm linking to down below, and I'm going to just pull some of the tweets that he selected from Sean uh, just to give you guys an idea of uh, where Sean's at with this whole thing. So the first tweet that came out, uh, Sean wrote, We're filing a DMCA takedown of PewDiePie's Firewatch content and any future Campo Santo games. There is a bit of leeway you have to have with the internet when you take when you wake up every day and make video games. There's also a breaking point. I am sick of this child getting more and more chances to make money off what we make. He's worse than a closeted racist. He's a propagator of despicable garbage that does real damage to the culture around this industry. Obviously, these are multiple tweets. Furthermore, we're complicit. I'm sure we've made money off the 5.7 million views that that video has, and that's something for us to think about. Lastly, I love streamers. I watch them daily, and we send out over 3,000 keys to professional and amateur streamers of Firewatch. Um, And then in response to the fact that a lot of people were criticizing him, uh, abusing the DMCA process, uh, and, you know, this potentially being a blow to, um, you know, the 
kind of murky legal freedom that Let's Plays exist under right now because they're not technically pr uh, protected by fair use yet. There isn't any landmark case that's decided that. Um, so it's kind of just like a unspoken agreement between streamers and uh, or, you know, YouTubers and um, and developers that, you know, it benefits both of them. So it's fine. Um, so he rejected that argument outright, saying freedom of speech is not freedom of prosecution. His stream is not commentary. It is ad growth for his brand. Our game on his channel equals endorsement. And uh, and then in response to his closeted racist comment, he said, I ur I'd urge other developers and will be reaching out to folks much larger than us to cut him off from the content that has made him a millionaire. Um, so again, this is, this is huge because um, – so after that tweet came out, PewDiePie took down the, the – series is gone now so it appears as though he's taken it down right because uh if developers do decide to do this and make these dmca strikes against him it only takes three of those to have your entire channel taken down and then he'd have to go through an appeal process through youtube and you know um it could be weeks or months before it gets sorted out you know, uh, we saw yeah that happened in one of our own videos I know, I just think for him, they probably, you know, like, oh, you know, your channel's down, but we'll do it in a day instead of two, you know, like, they'll, they'll, they'll expedite his, you know, his case, is what I'm saying. That's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's gonna, I mean, I don't think he wouldn't get the three strikes and that would happen. I'm just saying if it does, like you were saying a couple of weeks, I think for him, dude, they would just throw that out the window, you know? Yeah, it seems probable that they, that they would want to get, um, you know, his channel back up if it does drive a lot of traffic. Right, but, that's, but again, yeah. it's worth it's worth noting, like, he's not the biggest creator on the platform anymore. Right. He has 55 million subscribers, but I mean, like, they're, like, you know, I referenced uh, Philip DeFranco earlier. He's a much smaller channel, and he, on average, uh, his daily views are uh, often more than PewDiePie. Right, yeah, He has yeah, 55 yeah. million subscribers, something like that. Right. So, um, I don't know that he necessarily has that as much pull as we think anymore. Hmm. It's interesting, yeah. I, you can't see me because this is an audio podcast, but I'm playing PewDiePie, the world's smallest violin. <laughs> um, I applaud. What's his name? Um, Campo. Oh my god, something Campo. It's the it's the guy from Campo Santo. Uh, his name Sean is Vanneman? Sean Va Sean Vanneman. I I applaud Sean Vanneman. I think he's absolutely within his rights to do this. Um, and frankly, I I've seen you know people on Twitter or whatever be like. Oh man, he just said a word. Is freedom of speech dead? It's like maybe if you wouldn't say it at work because this is your job, PewDiePie, don't use right. a fucking racial slur. <laughs> well, I think I think there's something deeper there, honestly. Um because this is this is not what he did is not something that you won't hear within the first 10 minutes of a Call of Duty game, you know? And this is, this is internet culture, like internet gaming culture is this, you know, um, it's, it's extremely toxic and words like this are used constantly. Um, all the, you know, shitty words that people say they don't say come out of their mouths, um, when they're gaming and that's not everyone by any means that's. I wouldn't even say that that's a majority of gamers, but I would say that when you're playing online games, that's something that is extremely prevalent. And it's unfortunate that someone of this stature comes out and, and has this happen. And then on top of that, the reaction has been so much, uh, so many people saying, why is this a problem? Uh, give the guy a break. 
YouTube is just after him. Uh, why do people care? He was playing a game, you know? Uh, the defenses are up. And, you know, it, it's it's really unfortunate that people don't get why it's a problem. It's really unfortunate because I don't feel sad for PewDiePie. You know, like, I, I was among the people who defended him um, about the whole accusations of him being uh, an anti-Semite because I think there is a clear pattern from traditional news outlets of trying to character assassinate the guy. And whether I like his content or not, I don't believe that he was being a racist um, and things were being taken out of context. Whereas this, there is no context for this. He clearly, like, I'm sorry, if you use that word while you're playing the game in that way, he probably is using using it regularly, casually. And it's it's disgustingly casual, too. Yeah. And that, again, that he tries to correct himself and be like, oh, like, I meant asshole. And it's like, okay. Oh, I didn't mean it in a bad way. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, it's like another, like, half-hearted, you know, and he hasn't made a public statement yet, so we don't know what that's going to be, but I wouldn't assume it's going to be anything more than another half-hearted apology, like, when he got called out last time. Yeah, I mean, now he's got, you know, the last thing before you could look at it however you wanted, you could decide with him or not, but you have to start looking at the evidence when it's stacking up. I mean, like... You know, everyone thought Bill Cosby couldn't do a bad thing. And then all of a sudden, there's like 40 people were saying, you know, it's like it kept getting bigger and bigger. You know, this guy has had enough time and enough popularity and enough exposure that you can catch these little things. And this is not the first, second or probably even fifth time. You know, I don't follow him really, but I know that there's things that come up, you know, and whatever the circumstances before last time were, uh, you know, this is this is just who he is. You know, this is how it comes out. And if. Because it's coming out, you know, and you're like with Sean said when you're playing, it come, you know, it's he's got to be using it, you know, somewhere. Uh, it's part of his speech, you know, and beyond all that, even even if you could still defend him on everything, it's like, yeah, but he's still a professional, right? And like children, very little kids, pick up on this. Right. And at the very least, you don't want, you know, maybe he's him flailing around screaming and doing whatever, you know, making stupid sounds or, yeah, you know, it's kid stuff, sure. But when you start getting into like that kind of crap, you know, and you got like 50 million subscribers, even if your views aren't as much as other people are, like you were saying, it's a huge number to not be professional and be a millionaire uh, for, you know? He's been doing this long enough, he should know better, you know? Yeah. He he should be more professional. I mean, practically, you know, became the face of, like, YouTube and gaming and, like, Let's Plays and and many things at once, you know? Uh, Time Magazine called him one of the hundred most people influential people right, in the world. Yeah, so, I mean, he is. Well, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah. if you have that kind of influence, you get, you get a lot of influential people who are shitheads, you know, you get, you get like, uh, you get people like Donald Trump as president, you know, like, there you go. It's, I mean, we don't want, we don't really need more of this crap, I don't think, you know, and I don't know. It, yeah, I, I think to Sean's earlier point, like, this is a real problem in, in gaming communities really that is, people yeah. do throw around racial slurs, like, they don't matter, and they're just words, and, you know, why yeah. are you being, why are you, you mad, bro, like, all that kind of shit, and, like, him, him being the person that he is, him being a face of YouTubers or gamers or whatever you want to say, or online content creators, like, that makes us all look bad. Yeah. You know, and, 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 yeah. and, and I, I do want to say, though, I think as much as I agree with uh with sean vanneman um and his position as a person i have to say like i i am a little concerned by his actions because he is within his legal right to do this but that sets a bad precedent for let's plays and streamers and that's the kind of thing where he might want to just be attacking pewdiepie but this could have a ripple effect that affects all of youtube and all of twitch well you know what man um 
it's it should be a black mark on gaming how often this happens a pro gamer just got called out a couple months ago uh i believe he's a pro i want to say overwatch player uh and he said oh yeah i remember that right and and it came out there too uh, with this guy and he he lost his sponsorship he got dropped by his team and those are appropriate actions that were taken for sure sure um but these guys like you like you guys are saying these are professionals could you imagine if a player on i don't know the jets or whatever if that happened with them it would be you know the, that would never stand uh gaming has to step up and say this is not what we represent. Competitive gaming has a problem. I mean, like, and you're right, but there's a huge difference between, because, like, I agree with you, right? Again, like, I I believe that doing this should lead to punishment, right? Like, we should show by, um, by our actions that, you know, we as a community, we as an industry don't advocate this kind of behavior. Um, but it's way different for someone, for like a, a professional team to drop a player or for someone to revoke their endorsements than for someone to take legal action against somebody and use their, their copyright. They're, they're using the way that the law currently works and looks at Let's Plays and using their ability to say that he's infringing on their copyright. That could set legal precedent that Let's Plays are infringement of copyright. And that could damage that entire you know, community and industry and not just the person that needs to be punished. Well, maybe I misunderstood what exactly um, Sean Vanneman is trying to accomplish here or how this is playing out. But so what is the, what is the claim? What is the, so when you make a, a copyright strike against a YouTube channel, Right, you're making the claim that this person is infringing on your copyright by using your content illegally, right? And like I said earlier, let's plays aren't yet protected by fair use. Um, oh, so oh, gotcha. like you, if you do get a copyright strike, you can often fight it by claiming fair use. But let's plays aren't legally protected by fair use in the same way that you know, um, uh, criticism, parody, reviews, yes, stuff like sure, that. Right. Like those are the things that you can get away with, uh, using other people's content for fair use. And, um, oftentimes let's plays do get away with that, but they're not in that legally protected area yet. And let's plays as a thing depend on using other people's content. So if there is a legal precedent set here that if you don't like, um, you know, what somebody has to say and you can use your copyright strike to take down their their um content, that that is a strike against the protection of Let's Plays as uh unique content that is deserving of legal protection. Um not gonna lie. I don't think that's a bad thing. Um Let's Plays exist in this sort of weird legal gray area because like they're they're not fair use in the way that like criticism or parody is where it's like a, a large number of let's plays are just like silently watch me play this that's game that's not a let's play no that's like a playthrough like yeah let's plays have to have commentary um i i support this action i think that it's absolutely the right move i think that as a developer if this is protected content and somebody's making money off your work and doing shit like that, you absolutely 
should be able to take action against it. And here's the other problem, right? Like, there is such a thing as digging yourself a hole. Like, if the community isn't going to say this is not what we're about, then what is the end game? You know, like, for example, YouTube, all these strikes, all these demonetizations, right, are because of advertisers saying, hey, we don't want our ads playing in front of this kind of content. And a lot of the content that they found that their ads were being played in front of was offensive shit. Sure. And people are just taking that level of freedom and running with it. And, and, and look at the, re- look at the reaction. All his, all his uh, followers are saying, Hey, what's the big deal? That's the mentality. So if that's the mentality, then you can't be surprised when eventually this kind of behavior that goes unchecked by an entire community of people, that there's a reaction and you don't want to lose rights in the process, but clean, clean, it, clean it up. Yeah, but that's the thing, right? Is like the fact that PewDiePie is a racist isn't not that's not other Let's Players' fault, and it's not their responsibility to do something about that. Like, yeah, we as a community should like the real answer would be like, oh, well, we should stop watching PewDiePie's content, right? Like when a bunch of people found out JonTron was a racist and he lost a bunch of subscribers, right? That's that to me is the the way to deal with this, and you know, I I, I like vehemently disagree um about about your point andy that like let's plays are transformative like uh, someone doing silent gameplay that's not a let's play a let's play is like content and it's content that's unique from the actual game that's being you know um played like you watching a let's play of someone play a game is not the same experience as you playing a game and all of the the evidence that does exist while mostly anecdotal points to the fact that it doesn't affect the bottom line of games negatively it helps them you know, it's like it's a part of gaming culture and like it is, in my mind, transformative work. And I don't think that like, uh, you know, a channel like, you know, someone like Game Grumps or, you know, the Super Beard Bros or Best Friends Play or whatever, people who aren't racist or, you know, are not doing anything wrong, um, that they should, you know, be affected or that an entire industry could be, you know, um, fucked because of this one person. And I don't think the entire industry is going to be fucked. I think that just as the advertisers have a right to say, you know, I don't want my product associated with this person, developers should also have a right to say, I don't want my work associated with this person. You were saying before, and it's true that there really hasn't been a legal precedent. I think the point is that this might be the first one, which like, like it or not, or disagree or whatever, it's like there will have to be uh some cases made to figure out where this stands in the long run and what we can and can't do and we might not like the results but you know those cases haven't happened yet so maybe this is one of the first you know maybe this is shaping up to be something that sets some ground for future stuff you know or i don't don't think this one thing honestly could destroy the whole industry of that i don't think that's strong enough but you know obviously um something will have to hit courts eventually you know maybe not for this maybe for whatever reason i I can't fathom but this could be one you know yeah it remains to be seen um but yeah you know it's uh it's definitely it's an interesting issue and it's gonna be interesting to see where it where it finally kind of lands and how this all shakes out but um you know i I, my, my hope is just that the appropriate person is the one who's punished yeah, the the one thing uh, 
I see a lot of is a lot of companies just flat out doing DMCA strikes just for no reason, right? And like obviously these people have a reason they don't want to be associated with him. Uh, in the same way, like the last time when when this should happen, and like I think Disney pulled out on something they had with him. You know, yeah, it, yeah, that was after the whole you know the last debacle, right? Right. I mean, so this to me is kind of no different. You know, like I don't really see any difference in like. You know, like they don't want to be associated. Disney didn't want to be. People are allowed to do that, but like it really does look kind of. It's kind of upsetting when I see these. Just like obviously, this guy like kind of deserves it, but these like broad uh, strokes of just like fuck it, just you know, let's 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 get people together. Let's like all like DMCA strike together. I mean, like I don't know, man. That part seems a little bit crazy. If other people don't have a problem with them, I don't know if you should be like forming a mob, but. You know, if they got individual problems, bring that to court yourself. I don't know if you should, like, it doesn't seem right, you know? I mean, this isn't a mob. This well, he is said he was asking for other saying, people to, like, join in pretty much, you know? Yeah, he was, he was saying, hey, like, I'm not okay with this, and I don't think you should be either. Well, that's what I mean. If they're not okay and with it, they should step up by themselves. I don't think you need to, you know. If other, let's why, is it, why is it not okay for him to, like, step up and get people together i think it's like what sean was saying like you know the 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 people don't you know say that this is a problem they defend him for this shit right you know it's like this is just gonna cause more shit if we start creating like uh you know like a us versus them mentality you know obviously like this guy thinks it's right to you know pull his, his stuff off because he's not happy with him and that's great he, he should do that but i don't like the idea of you know having multiple people gang up on this one thing if they want to do it, i think they should all do individual cases i don't think they should i don't really know how this works 100 so if they all are gonna like all it all it takes is he's gonna send a like an email to youtube and say hey these videos are in violation of my copyright he's not gonna like take him to court well it sounded like uh, sorry it sounded to me like they were just like we're, we're, we're going to court and we should all go to court you know that's what it sounded like no, 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 no. Yeah, they're just gonna use le- use the u- the legal tools within YouTube to make it that his content can that <laughs> any content that he has that uses stuff from their games will be taken down. Well, that's fair. Um, I mean, I really, honestly, yeah, I thought they were just sort of let's all go to court together against. And this again, guy. it's like I'm not I'm not criticizing his action as a person. I get where he's coming from. He's well within his rights, and I don't I don't. I get where he's coming from, and I, in the same situation, I don't know that I'd feel differently. Uh, I just, I think that there are, there are potential ramifications for this um, that extend far beyond his intent that are just worth discussing. Um, I mean, I don't think that the potential ramifications of this really, like, go that far. Because, like, most of the industry kind of supports if not or tolerates if not supports the youtube like streaming culture like even nintendo finally came around to it and if it's you know developers have a problem with a a creator for something he says or did and you know he or she says or did or doesn't want uh their work associated with that person that's absolutely fine in my book yeah, again, to me, I'm only concerned with it if it goes beyond that, you know? Um, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. So our last item, news item of the day is going to take us into our meat and potatoes discussion this week. Uh, so it was announced last week that South Park, The Fractured But Whole, 
uh, difficulty slider will change the color of your character's skin. So during the character creation process, Cartman explains, uh, quote, don't worry, this doesn't affect combat, just every other aspect of your whole life. So uh, Eurogamers, forgive me for these pronunciations, Oifi Wilson, I'm going to guess, and uh, Chris Bratt, who captured the gameplay that we've linked to down below, asked Ubisoft's developers about the feature during a recent hands-on event, and they were told that the, di the difficulty of the game affects the amount of money that you're going to receive uh, from completing quests and then the way that other characters speak to you throughout the course of the game. So um, this is going to take us to our meat and potatoes discussion, right? So like, this is clearly intended, uh, at least in my mind, as social commentary you know, on racism in modern society. And uh, one that I actually think is really interesting. So, Because I, I like the idea that it's being portrayed through um, game mechanics as opposed to story, right? And uh, so I, I wanted to ask two questions, the first of which, uh, you know, I'll open the floor up for now. Um, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about, um, you know, a political statement like this being made through gameplay mechanics? Uh, in general, I, you know, like, okay, you know, it depends on a lot of factors. Does it work? Is it a gimmick? Is it logical? You know, like, there's tons of questions. Uh, here in this specific instance, I think it's funny. Um, and uh, I think it's appropriate for South Park. This this seems like a, a South Park kind of thing to <laughs> yeah. do. Um, and I think it's their own way of saying, hey, you know, life is messed up. And if we're going to reflect it in real life or in our game, this is what's going to happen. It reminds me a lot of GTA five and how yes. you play as the, the, the black dude, like you're more likely to get stopped by cops or whatever. And I always thought that that was a really cool uh, gameplay mechanic as well. I don't, I don't see why anyone would have a problem with this. I think it's brilliant. I mean, it's, it's so subtle. And if you know the South park people, you know, it, it might come across like, from anyone else, someone might try to pull this off and say, like, oh, we have a, you know, a slider to change the color of your skin, you know? It's like, they might come across, like, insensitive, but the South Park people obviously have always been brilliant at satire and, like, in just trying to point fun at the the things that, you know, we don't necessarily want to talk about that are right in your face. And I think this is brilliant, you know? It's, like, such a smart way to integrate that into a game. I th at least, from what it sounds like, because I obviously haven't played it yet, but, I mean... You know, I think like props to them, man. Like they, they always crack me up, and like this is just brilliant to me. I think it's specifically interesting, especially because like they say it doesn't affect combat, right? Like it's literally just like the world treats you worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's what I mean, man. It's like that's why I think it's brilliant. Like it's it's not necessarily going to change. You know, it's like this opening statement. It's not going to affect combat. Just everything else about your life. You know, that that's really strong to put that in there like that. So, um, I think it's, I think it's a good, like, it's a sharp, like satirical dig. I think it works. Um, I don't think it's maybe the most interesting thing. How do you mean? Um, like it, it seems a little obvious. It's obviously not like a, a thing games do on the regular, but it like, I don't know. It's the kind of thing I'd expect from Matt and Trey. Okay. Well, that actually uh, is a pretty good segue into my next question, which is, do you, would you guys like to see more things like this? More uh, ways that games could kind of experiment with 
talking about things like race or gender or, you know, social issues uh, in the context of the video games as a creative medium? You know, like, do you think that the best way to tackle that is through um, more subtle changes to the way the game is played like this or like maybe through, you know, narrative and dialogue? I think I think that's that's super um, open ended, and I think it's going to come down to whatever's best for that particular game with that particular idea. Um, here, it works great. You know, would it work as well in another game? Who knows? Uh, so it's very much uh, about what the idea is and what you're trying to say. Um, social commentary through all other forms of media. Uh, takes place in tons of different ways, right? Like, some people watch The Matrix as a trans story of coming out and, like, victory, right? So, if you can get that out of The Matrix, you know, why can't you uh, tell stories in games that are, you know, that have messages, that have agendas beyond just have a blast, you know? Um, and, and immerse that message into some really cool, well-developed gameplay. Of course you could do that. Is that something we're seeing a lot? Uh, I think probably now more than ever, but, um, I think, I think that there's more to be mined there. For sure. As, but, but the hows of it is not really for me to say, I don't think. I think it's interesting because we, we, uh, obviously this, uh, didn't have to deal with race, but we saw something kind of similar with, um... Was it Set Setsuna's sacrifice? What the hell was it? Oh, uh, Hellblade. Hellblade, yeah. I forget how to pronounce her name. Senua's. But the, the first word is Hellblade. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Senua's sacrifice. Um, and that game was all about you know mental illness, right? And had a, a mental health advisor as one of the primary people who were credited in the game's design, uh, and that it tried to evoke the feeling of dealing with uh, mental illness through gameplay mechanics and. I find that to be really interesting because while I agree with you, Sean, I, I think that choice is um, best left to the developers, right? If you're playing a game that is narratively focused uh, or, you know, like the kind of games I like to play, like, you know, Life is Strange, like the talky choosy bits, um, obviously dialogue is going to be the way to go there. But I think that I'm really fascinated by the idea of trying to tackle these issues through the things that make video games unique. You know, I, I think, um, to me, coming to the realization that cops are hassling me more as Franklin in GTA V is a lot more powerful of a, of a moment for me in terms of, like, getting that point than, like, having what I think you could see in a lot of other games, like, just having characters, like, say racial slurs at him or something like that, you know? I think that's a very, like on-the-nose surface level thing of just like, oh, look, minorities are treated different. Whereas, like, when you really have that moment of just like, man, like, you know, I, I can physically see that the game, like, I, I feel that this game is being harder because of this change. I think that's really interesting because, uh, to your point, Sean, that's a thing that you can only do in a game. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I love the way that games have done that historically. Like, you look at... um the Silent Hill games, for sure. example, uh, a great example of a of a game series that really wanted to integrate its messages about various different things into the gameplay. So the creeps that you're killing and the bosses 
will resemble the trauma of the character you're playing. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff you're talking about. And I think that's really cool. And it worked great for a psychological horror sure. And I think that developers that care about those things and developers who have something to say will find unique ways to use the platform, the unique platform that they have to send those messages in a way that still makes for a great gameplay experience. So while we're talking about using video games to say something in a way that's unique to video games, we got to talk about Spec Ops The Line. Ooh, yeah, that's a great call out. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, just give the context. Okay, so Spec Ops The Line is a uh, it's a first-person shooter. Came out in, I think, 2012. I'll look it up. Um, came out in, Andy thinks, 2012. And really explored um, just the politics of the, uh, the current war in the Middle East of PTSD of the the trauma that soldiers face it was super interesting um it did a lot of things really well and um i just i strongly recommend anybody go and play it it's like six bucks not six bucks it's like six hours long (laughs) it's not a very long game you could probably get it for like 10 20 bucks yeah at this point yeah uh yeah and you were right it's 2012 and it was made by the german studio jaeger development and published by 2k um, yeah, so I think again, right, like using that using that game as a deconstruction of how war is glorified in video games to instead have you go into this experience and, and really um, show a group of young men who are suffering through war uh, is, I think, really powerful. Yeah, you know? and it's like it's commentary on, you know, the way Western culture and video games in particular look at war and violence. Um like the big line that shows up in the loading screens is very often do you feel like a hero mm-hmm. yet wow and i know it it deals with a lot of stuff like um you you see your character i don't i want to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't played it uh but you see your characters do some pretty grisly things um yeah no like you actually commit war crimes yeah and like the characters acknowledge that they're committing war crimes like it's not you know Oh wow, that's the implication. It's like no, that's what happened. They're aware of it. They don't feel they feel bad about it. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the one of the things that help, uh, you know, just in general for for people to learn things like this, you know, to like how how people are affected that you know not part of their life, so they don't they don't think about it, you know, uh, with like South Park, Silent Hill, even Spec Ops, you know. Um, Spec Ops is a little more direct, so it doesn't fit 100%, but there is an air of subtlety to all these things, you know? Like, you, you play Silent Hill, and, and you can see that the message is there, but it wasn't built like, you know, Spec Ops was kind of built to obviously send that message across. But there is a game there, you know what I mean? There's a game there you're playing, and, like, all the while you're getting drip-fed the story and the reasons and the emotion of it, and by the time it comes to the end, you know, you might see the Do You Feel Like a Hero yet 20 times before you really start thinking about it, you know? And I think for a lot of people messages might come and go you might even sit down and see a movie but to like experience it right even have a controller and clicking one button you know hitting the x button just to move through a dialogue screen right you're still slightly more interactive with it and i think people learn these things better like that so the south park thing that's why i said it was brilliant to me because it's like you might not notice it the first time you're playing but you know what that's that's a small little thing that you might pick up on even just a little difference when you're talking with your friends about the game and where you played it at versus the other person and like and you get people talking about it you know and and 
it's a good way to bring attention to these issues, I think. And to Sean's point too, I think it has to be, you know, it has to be like put into the game, right? You know, I don't think uh, you can just like ham fist these things in there, you know, they got to be done right. And sure. and when they're done right, they are done very, very well. And it's a great idea for it. A lot of people learn things in different ways. You know, some people couldn't, you know, just read notes and write it down. And that was it. They had to, you know, like, you know, I don't know, audiobook or, or something, you know, people always have their own flavor for it. And games allow you to have different ways of learning in the same experience, you know? So it hits a lot of notes. I think it's, these are all really good examples. Uh, I can't think of one that really works, you know, right? I would be a game developer, you know? So it's one of those things that I'm always happy to see these kinds of things. So yeah, I'd, I'd always want to see more of it, you know, when they're, when they're done well. And thankfully I don't really think we see a lot of these that are done bad, you know? Um, you get games that talk about really, really hard things and they're usually on on the mark about what they're tra- trying to talk about and they usually convey that message to people and there's usually a backlash because of it because people are like, no, no, whatever, that's not it. It's like, but the people who have... Just let games be games. Right, but the people who have gone through it and all that or are going through it or even know someone who go through those things, they know that it's too real for them and like to see a game even bring it up, comical or not, you know, it's it's good to have people let it be in the air and talk about it, you know? So at least it, at least it causes something to talk about and like what we're doing. So if, if one, yeah, other, right. yeah, if one other person hears anything of all these and figures, you know, I can, I can relate to this one thing over the other thing. And like, it changes, you know, their mind to at least be nicer to somebody else. That'd be great. You know? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment, you know, that I think games do a really good job of, putting you in someone else's shoes because that's literally what they do. Um, so I think they're actually particularly well um, positioned to be a force for changing the way you think about people that are different from you. Yeah. yeah. You know, by by giving you um, a real sense of relating, being able to relate to them by, you know, seeing a story through their eyes uh, in a way that's a little more personal than uh, a lot of other mediums. Um, and, you know, I think game games much like most other mediums definitely have an inclusivity problem and uh, i think doing things like this whether they are you know um presented as satire or presented as you know uh wholly serious i think uh i'm just glad there are people that are out there trying to have this conversation and uh and hopefully you know um help that culture that we were talking about in the previous news story become a marginalized part of of gaming culture you know and that it can become more for everyone because you know video games have been such a a great um impact on all of our lives and i don't like the idea that there's anyone who feels that they're not um you know that it's not a place for them right yeah yeah like if you care about something i mean one of the one of the my favorite uh, things that ever happened in gaming that like really made me see the light of this shit was when uh, Dark Souls teased the idea of saying, well, we might have like an easy mode, right? Just for people can play this fucking game, you know? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then people are like, oh my God, it's not Dark Souls. And it's like, no, 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 you don't have to play the easy mode. And on top of that, like, don't you want people to be involved in the experience you have? Or do you just want to be like the fucking club over there that no one can talk about it, you know? Because you, yeah. it's like five of you, you know, you know, I don't know. I don't see why that you'd want to exclude people from the things that you care about and that you're interested in unless you're just an asshole i don't know 
Yeah, no, dude, it's literally that, like, that's a big problem with nerd culture in general. Man, yeah, there's it a is. Real, there's a gatekeeper mentality, there, No, right? I mean, there is. Look yeah. at Magic the Gathering, right? Like, you know, that's a, that's a card game that's, like, been around forever, but there's still this, this, like, weird stigma about, like, card games in general, you know? Or just, like, D&D or, like, video gaming. And, like, it's all wrapped under the same banner, but they all have their own entry levels that have weirder or different things than what you're used to, you know? You can't go to a fucking... Uh, magic tournament and or like a video game tournament right not be like really good at it or you know uh without like getting like you know people are like oh you don't know what you're doing you scrub but if you went to like a fucking football game and you never <laughs> saw a game of football in your life people be like oh welcome yeah maybe i don't know if you pick the right team i guess but point is you know it seems like it's a little bit more open and those are more established things and these are relatively newer in the world sense that they've become more popular maybe you know talking about more of it helps to get out there again so one thing I, I do want to say, <clears throat> as a slight counter to what Thompson said, is I think the toxicity that exists in the gaming community is born out of internet anonymity. Oh my god, yes it is. More yeah. than, 100%. More, more than that being something inherent in gaming. Because every single time I've ever been to a tournament or any environment like that, even when I wasn't good at whatever it was, always been supporting. Like, hmm. great people. I've not had you know, that experience. There are douchebags. <laughs> there are douchebags, yeah. don't get me wrong, but, like, there are really good people who play these games that, like, that want more good people in with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think to your point earlier, Sean, I don't think that these problems are inherent in gaming. I don't think that all most gamers are racist or sexist. Um, I think I think it's just the same problem you see in most corners of the internet is that there's a you know a really vocal minority that is that way. The loudest ones you know, are the ones you're going to hear, man. You know, even if they're yeah, the smallest. Yeah, and you always remember the negative stuff. Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you're, you're, like you, it's easy to hone in on the the one person that, or you know, the the several people that you encounter that do say the racial slurs versus the people that don't say anything that's bad at all, and they just say something totally innocuous, you know, or nothing at all. You know, how many players don't? say anything you know and aren't commenting on you know neogaf or putting youtube comments or any of that stuff you know people who just play games um so yeah i, I think i think that's a good note to end it on here um so yeah um i would oh, just like yeah, to say that except for the people who comment on our videos you guys are all <laughs> great if i truly believed all of humanity was a youtube comment section i would have really wished the cold war ended with like fallout <laughs> <laughs> oh dude that's brilliant <laughs> yeah oh, I, I will say it's definitely worth pointing out that all the commenters we get yeah, are super yeah. nice so thank you guys for thank you guys for writing in and uh i'm actually going to use as use that as an opportunity to ask you to write in with your thoughts on this issue uh we'd love to hear from you and um it's some real shit what do you think well yeah what do you think about this this whole conversation you know um do you want to see video games try to push for more inclusivity do you want to see them deal with it through story through gameplay mechanics um not at all like whatever it is right in we'd love to have a dialogue with you about it um so again you can write into us at the video game pals at gmail.com you can uh hit up the comics pals anywhere your social media is sold and uh you know follow us there to keep up to date with everything we've got going on at the pals network um if you're an audio listener please like the show go over to itunes give us a, a rating you know like share subscribe if you're over on uh youtube all that stuff. And uh, for that, that is going to wrap it up for episode 20 of the Video Game Pals. We will see you guys next week. Peace. Take care, guys. Adios, amigos.